Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by my new co-host, Jay Gilbert. Jay, how you doing? Great. How you doing, Michael? Good. So let's just jump right into it. Um, Ian is returning, but it's actually the first time I've been on the show with Ian, if that makes sense. Because, I don't know, a year or two ago, he was on, and it was the first show that I couldn't record because I was actually up in Canada fishing, so my old co-host at the time, Brian Thompson, ran solo with Ian, so I wasn't on the show. So this is my first time with Ian and his second time on the show. <laughs> well, glad to be here. Thanks, Michael. Th- thanks for joining us, Ian. So, um, you know, I want to just jump right in. Um, there's been a lot of talk lately about um, streaming playlists, a lot of talk about payola, playola, however you want to refer to it. But one of the interesting questions and ideas that was brought up in a HypeBot article is this idea of can you copyright a playlist? And I think that question becomes more meaningful and important as people start generating revenue from their playlist. So Mm -hmm. if I'm selling spots in a playlist and I'm making money from it, or I'm selling sponsorships to my playlist, can I copyright it to prohibit somebody else from making a duplicate of the playlist and doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it is an interesting question. Um, you know, just to, to give a little bit more context, so so we're talking predominantly about copyright, although there are some trademark law issues that that kind of get sprinkled throughout this, this discussion as well. So um, just to make sure you're uh, viewers and listeners are familiar with kind of the basics of copyright law. Um, in essence, it covers any creative expression that's fixed in a tangible medium. And what that means is, um, if something is <clears throat> traditionally one of any of the arts, right? It could be anything from music to painting, photography, even um, choreography and architecture, among other things. Um, as, as soon as that's recorded in some way, uh, a copyright is said to have have been created, right? So just by the nature of recording this discussion, um, you may be the owner of the copyright to this video, right? right? So copyrights are being created everywhere all the time. And sometimes it's it's in subject matter that all of us would agree should certainly be protected, right? Something like a composition. Um, but oftentimes they're also attributed to um, lesser forms of creativity, if you want to think of it that way. So. Um, when we're talking about creating playlists, um, to me, this is, you know, there's been a few uh, similar instances in, in the past in, in legal precedent. Um, one that comes to mind is uh, telephone books, right? What, what on its face seems less creative than a telephone book, right? It's, right. it's a bunch of people in alphabetical order. Um, but what goes on behind the scenes there is this is the, the selection of certain subject matter and it's arranged in a particular fashion. And it's that original selection and arrangement that actually gives the creators of telephone books some thin copyright protection in that material. And um, there were uh, there was one famous published case many years ago uh, where two um, telephone companies essentially were suing each other over their phone books. And I remember when I first studied this case, I was wondering how on earth would they have ever uncovered that they'd been infringed? Um, because you would assume when you put together this list of names and it's just alphabetized. If we were, say, competitors, and we're both putting together the list for Los Angeles County, we'd probably end up with the same results, right? We have the same person with the same phone number in the same order. Um, But what these companies had done 
as they embedded false entries. I was going to say, they put a fake name in there. Saw that coming. Absolutely. Yeah. So when that fake name turns up in a competitor's book, how else could they have found it but for copy and paste, right? So when we're talking about playlists, in my mind, it's very similar. Um, if, If I take the time to create this arrangement and selection, whether it's something like a compilation CD for the best of the 70s, right? There's certainly many of those kinds of things out there. Or something much more modern on, on Spotify or one of their competitors. Um, it's a similar form of selection and arrangement. And at least under the current state of copyright law, it would likely receive some thin protections. Um, now, it's, it's conceivable that, that two playlist creators could come up with the same results, though, in this instance. And what I mean by that are, is th- you're not going to create a false entry in a playlist on Spotify, right? It wouldn't work um, in in a way that you could in a a phone book. So you run into issues um, that are a little unique to the medium. So if if I create a playlist and let's say I'm Ministry of Sound and I have some marketing clout and I create a playlist and this playlist is up on Spotify and I have certain people that subscribe to me and I found a way to perhaps monetize this this. Uh, particular playlist, or at least I'm growing my brand through this playlist. Um, when someone duplicates it, I, I do I would suffer some harm potentially in that case, and I wouldn't have a way to um, to quickly identify copycats because there wouldn't be these false entries. So I, to protect myself, would probably have to rely on copyright law, and um, would have to constantly be scouring these playlists to find those copycats. And and I think. Um, for these brands that are, are um, and labels and whoever it may be, um, it could be you know um, even just personalities that are, that are putting together these playlists. They should have some way to protect their efforts. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying: Is this possible to protect under copyright law? Probably um, not in every case. If it's a really short list, or if it's something that um, is not sufficiently original, then uh, you probably wouldn't get protection. Um, but assuming you can cross both of those hurdles, then I'd say, yeah, it's likely to get protection. And then I think the broader question is, is it right that it gets protection, right? Is this something that, that helps the industry or that helps artists? And, um, I think that's, it, that's a tougher question to answer. Um, but I think generally speaking, um, generally speaking, if, if it is an original list and there is sufficient effort that goes into it, it seems to me that should get some degree of, of protection there. So, so. To get that protection, though, do you have to actually, in advance, file copyright for that? Um, this is a really good question. So, um, in current state of the law in, in the U.S. and and many other countries uh, is that there's no formalities requirement. So, you do not have to file a copyright registration to own a copyright. That said, I highly recommend that people do file a copyright registration. Um, there's significant benefits that only come to those that register and to those that register timely. So what timely means is um, you would have to file to protect your, if it's a playlist or if it's a composition or if it's some other form of, of creative expression, um, you have to file for protection within three months of publication or prior to the infringement. So, so long as you meet that criteria, um, then you uh, open yourself up to um, Many more, if you want to think of it as you know, teeth, really, ways to enforce your copyright with, that could inflict greater damage uh, on, on your opponent and get 
a better result for you. Because does you know a lot of times what I've heard is when there's copyright issues, people always say, well, it comes down to who was using it first, and and I would imagine in a case of something like a playlist, that could be very difficult to determine who actually created this playlist first. When was the exact time Jay created it and when did I create it and who wins? Right. And that's, and I guess that saying that, that's the benefit of actually registering it because now you're on the record of saying I've created it. Right. Well, it would certainly help to register. Although uh, in the, the U.S. system, there, it's simply a registration system, not an examination system. And the distinction there is um, the Copyright Office will not look at the entire history of playlists to determine that yours was original. Right, right. right. It's, it's just putting so, a date that, that you, you, are, you are registering it. That's all you're saying. Right. That's it, right, exactly. So, so it's possible, though, you might have a registered copyright in something that's not original, and therefore your copyright could be invalidated. If, now, if there now, was a dispute. In, in, in the case of registering a playlist, are you actually going to have to register and say, here are the 24 songs and in the order, and this is the order of these songs for this playlist, what happens when tomorrow song 25 is added? Does that... Right make that copyright registration invalid because it's or not I changed. take your playlist Michael and I put take 25 and I make it slot 23 I think one of the the things about these playlists if you have a playlist that's the top charting hits of the 80s that's going to be pretty difficult because just like the phone book they are what they are to a certain degree but if it's more curated and it's me saying these are the most influential songs uh, in blues or or whatever, that's more of my opinion, and that's a little bit harder for somebody to copy, especially if you have some obscure songs in there. But I think Michael's question is a good one. What if I create a playlist, it develops a million followers, and someone just takes that exact playlist and either adds, deletes, rearranges, well, rearranges. the order? Yeah. Right. Okay, so, so to me, I'm actually hearing two slightly different questions. So one is, if you as the original creator modify your list over time, right. the other is, what if yes. someone just builds upon right, what you right. did? So to take them in that order, um, you know, modifying the list over time, is, it's not something that would be unique to playlists. To me, there, you know, there's a lot of similarities between, say, uh, someone writing a novel. Right? They might protect it along the way in various stages. And um, you can certainly file subsequent applications if you've made material changes to the list. So if, if adding one song or changing the position of one song um, is, is substantial in, in your eyes as the creator of that list and it's important to have protection, then you would file a second registration. Your first registration would not be affected by that. It wouldn't be invalid or anything, anything of, of that nature. You don't have to continue to use a copyright for it to, to remain valid. Um, so you could make changes. That secondary registration, though, would only protect what was new in that version. So it would be building upon the, the underlying registration. Sounds now, like you uh, might want to do an update monthly, you know, if you had a playlist that was growing. Um, it might drive the uh, copyright office crazy to have all of those different versions. But if it's going to change substantially, maybe a regular update or, of the copyright might be in order. I'm it might sure. be in 
ultimately, I think that's I think that's more of a business decision than a legal one, um, because you're determining what's what's significant that's being changed there. Um, and I think you know, from my standpoint, as someone that would litigate the case and to try and determine how do we get in the best legal position, um, if you're simply adding songs, um, and and it's and it's a small number of songs. Having that subsequent registration, how much additional ammunition would that get you? Um, it might be small, right? Um, if you've already got the the original registration, and uh, and they infringed what the original material was, and also what that subsequent material was, your legal position isn't that different, right? Because you still have this timely registered copyright that they infringed. So all of the great benefits that come with registration are there. Um, now, if they only copied the subsequent material, if this makes sense, um, then having that secondary registration would be critical to your case. So it really depends how, how mm -hmm. significant, how substantial those, those changes are. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the second question, which, which Jay brought up, if somebody slightly modifies your playlist, what does that mean? Okay. So, so here, um, you know, generally speaking, if just to, to look at it as copyright rather than just playlists, if I modify a prior existing work, if I make material changes to it, I've done, I've created what's called a derivative work. Okay. So in the music context, this is different than simply covering a song. This would be more like taking the original melody, but completely reharmonizing a chain, you know, taking it from a rock song and turning it into a bossa nova, right? Something completely different. Um, that would be a derivative work. That is something that's sufficiently original to get its own copyright protection. But you have to have a license from the original author to make that derivative work, right? And I think in playlists, it would be exactly the same thing. If, if I had this list of the 100 most influential songs of all time, right, something that was highly curated, as, as Jay pointed out, really specific and original to my authorship, if someone um, made it the 125 most influential songs and all they did was add 25 to it, that would be an unauthorized derivative work and is probably grounds to go after them for some form of infringement there. This is just all very interesting because, you know, none of this is actually really playing out yet in, in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the playlist world, but I feel like we're just waiting for the day when one of these is going to explode on us and somebody is just going to say, I'm suing you because you didn't license my my playlist that I did copyright. Yeah, um, to my knowledge, the you know one one of these disputes that has gotten a little bit of press. I think it was back in 2013. Uh, Ministry of Sound, which is a yep. big label out of London, they That's right. uh, came after Spotify for allowing some duplicates uh, on their website. And that case, unfortunately, was settled outside of court, so we didn't get to see the outcome. Um, and I think that was because both sides were probably scared as to what the outcome might be. Um, I think, you know, playlists on something like Spotify, and really anytime some new technology comes into this, this space, uh, the law is necessarily outdated, right? I mean, we're, we're still working from the 1976 Copyright Act. I mean, there's been amendments to it, um, but the bulk of the law is, is clearly predates the sort of actual use people have today. And uh, whenever that's the case, um, there's a certain amount of risk in allowing a, a legal claim to go the distance because um, a judge might think of it in an old school way or maybe they'll do a little you know, creative uh, lawmaking from the bench and, and kind of change the view on things. 
Um, but the, that risk is what prevents a lot of these technology companies and music companies from allowing cases to go all the way through trial. And without them going all the way through trial and having published opinions, then we don't know, as business owners, as um, practitioners of the law, we don't know what the standard is because it hasn't been sufficiently defined. Yeah, we don't know. So, we don't know the boundaries that we're playing in yet. No. Right. I mean, you know, which which brings up a question that I'm thinking to myself: Well, how do I know a playlist is copyrighted? You know, there's no little R next to somebody's playlist. I mean, Spotify doesn't give you the opportunity to put that on a playlist you create. So how would you even determine that you are infringing on somebody if you didn't want to? It'd be really difficult to do, right? I mean, I think if someone really wanted to, they could go to copyright.gov, and there is a way to search records for, for U.S.-based copyright registrations. Um, I can't imagine very many people would go through that effort. Right. No, you're, you're, <laughs> you know, you're exactly life. right. But it, it's one of those yeah. things with that, that I think is going to surprise. This is where the surprise is going to come from because nobody is looking. Nobody knows how to look. Yet one person out there said, you know what? I'm going to spend the few hundred dollars and I'm going to copyright my playlist. And I'm just going to be waiting for the mouse to come by and, I got right. you. Right. And to Ian's point earlier, since none of these have really been played out, it's not really in the consciousness. People aren't really thinking about that. Once one of these situations is played out through court and somebody wins and somebody loses, I think there might be some precedent set, maybe. Mm -hmm. There might be the conversation, the press, and then I think it'll be a different thing. And then maybe people will... Uh, spend a little bit more time, you know, copywriting these things. But if it's meaningful, which some of these playlists clearly are, um, based on the number of people who are using them, and and also there are corporations that are going to be developing uh, playlists to help their brand, and they're not going to want to see a competitor take that. So, Michael, you're absolutely right. We're in the early days here, but it's certainly an interesting conversation to have. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Do, Ian, do you think this is um, an, an unfortunate opportunity for copyright trolls to step in and build these mousetraps and then start going out and slapping people? Uh, I, all I can say is I wouldn't be surprised to see a few of those uh, emerge, certainly. Um, I think, you know, another, another piece of this discussion, I alluded to this to the, in the very beginning is how trademark law might kind of be intertwined with this. So um, in, in uh, I believe in that Ministry of Sound case, part of the reason why um, the label took issue with the reuse of that playlist was because they used their trademark in the name of the playlist. And which makes sense if you think of it in terms of, I need search keywords, right, in Spotify for someone to find my right. list. Um, they might reuse someone else's trademark. But what they did in doing so is they gave the plaintiff quite a bit more ammunition to to use in that case. Right. So um, and and to me that you know that's justified. Um, if you have built quite a name around being a curator or a label or an artist, and someone's able to tap into that, um, I, I think there should be some recourse for you. Well, and yeah, I was going to say you know when when Jay and I first discussed this a few weeks ago, my thought was you should also think about significantly branding your playlists. Mm -hmm. So the playlist gets known for you, your unique brand. 
And and when you copyright the playlist, I'm assuming you're copywriting the title of the playlist that goes along with it, correct? Actually, or are you just no. copywriting what's Actually, in no. it? Actually, uh, no. It, titles are not appropriate copyright subject matter. Um, because they're generally very short in nature. So even the title of a blockbuster film isn't protected by copyright law. It might be something that could be protected as a trademark, which I think is, is kind of what you're alluding to yeah. there. If someone has you know, developed a series of playlists and they're building a name around, you know, whether they use their actual name or something else, um, now we're talking a little bit uh, outside of copyright and getting into the realm of trademark law, where it's being used to identify the source of these lists rather than the, the subject matter within the list. And that's, that's another avenue that uh, the creator would have in that case to, to shut down an infringement. Okay, so, so you know, um, if you significantly develop your brand and put your brand in the title of all mm -hmm. of your playlists, that gives you additional ammunition. I mean, from, from mm -hmm. a marketing standpoint, now people think of you as these playlists, which is significant value and strength over an unknown person who just copies it. Um, it, it seems to me that's something you would want to incorporate. If, if, if you're going to do playlists in a serious manner, and I, I think we also have to differentiate that. I mean, if you're just putting together a playlist to listen on the weekend on the patio, this isn't a big deal. This is if you want to get into creating playlists ongoing, it's becoming an effort you think you can turn this into a business, a career. Mm -hmm. These are things you need to consider. Yeah, and you're saying, Ian, that this is really more, it's kind of a dual thing. It's maybe the trademark for the way you're branding it or naming it, but then a copyright issue maybe for the actual body of the playlist. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, And, and another example of a similar thing might be um, a knockoff DVD. Right. If it has the same name of the film, the same name of the you know the distributors and everyone, the producers and everything on the on the outside of that DVD and the subject matter of the film, that would similarly be both a trademark issue and a copyright issue. So they're often intertwined. Got it. Yeah, but I think just to support Michael's point, you know, if someone's looking to to make a business out of playlists, um, I, I couldn't agree more strongly that you know building a brand around that activity by establishing some kind of a mark, uh, some unique identifier, and consistently using that every single time. Um, just, you know, I think it makes sense on the marketing side. It makes sense on the legal side. Um, it, that's, that's a strong way to, uh, to go forward. I think that's a great suggestion. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is going to be, we've, we've got to wrap up here in a minute or two, but this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, this along with the, the, the all the new discussion about payola and playola. I mean, all of a sudden, streaming playlists are not just fun little mixtapes that you're making for your boyfriend or girlfriend anymore. It's turned into a real business out there. And the second mm -hmm. that happens, people, when money becomes involved, people are going to copyright, trademark, sue. They're going to try and buy their way in for influencing Playlists are a whole new business sphere that, that you know, I think as we, we mentioned a couple of times over the last few weeks, I don't think when Sp the Spotify's of the world first launched, they envisioned this ever becoming <laughs> any sort of an issue. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and and certainly when when uh, you know Congress was drafting the, uh, the Copyright Act, neither did they. The, neither did they. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, as 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 we were talking um, last week with Glenn Peoples from from Billboard, you know, payola is illegal in radio. It's not mm-hmm. illegal on streaming playlists, only because the definition of the law doesn't include digital media. Right, and it wasn't illegal for radio when radio started. Right. It took a while. I mean, people, you know, when they developed AM radio, then FM radio, no one even thought that at some point somebody could pay for play. And I think we're going through just, you know, history repeating itself here. Yeah, yeah. This, this is going to be very interesting to see what happens. And, you know, um, you know, I think what we need to do is when we see the first, first co- copyright, another, well, not the first, but another prominent lawsuit around um playlist pop-up we should get back on with you and and talk about what's going on and hopefully they'll let the case play out so so we can all see the results and kind of have a better idea of what you can and cannot do yeah no i'd I'd love to come back and talk about it awesome ian so for those interested um you you again you're a um a copyright trademark entertainment law attorney based in la where can people reach out to you if if, and and listen um, full disclosure, I've worked with Ian. He's, he's done some stuff for me. Um, if you need, if you're interested in protecting your band legally, your music legally, um, totally reach out and, and touch base with Ian. Well, thanks very much so, for that. So, so where can they reach you? Uh, probably the best way to find me is, uh, iangibson.com and it's spelled I-A-N and Gibson, just like the guitar.com. That's where I keep a blog and there's plenty of ways to, to contact me uh, through that website. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Great stuff, Ian. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so Thank much you so for much. your insight on this, Ian. Appreciate it. Hope Take care. Back soon. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Insightful. Yeah. And it's- you need that expertise because he sees things in a little bit different way than you or I would. And I hadn't even thought of the trademark part and the copyright part. And and I loved how he explained that we don't really know yet because it, none of these cases have really come to fruition. They, they, they've all settled out of court, so That's you don't right. you don't see what was discussed and what was agreed upon. You don't yeah. understand what 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 was the issue. Um, I think it's yeah. just a given that this is going to continue to become uh, a bigger and bigger issue. That more and more people are going to talk about it. And and I seriously can see this as unfortunately becoming a copyright troll issue. You know, yeah. there, there there are companies out there that, you know, for trolling they they troll patents, they troll copyrights, they troll that type of stuff. They have no interest in the actual business. What no. they do is recognize an opportunity that nobody copyrighted this. I'm going to go copyright it. I'm going to own the copyright, and then I'm going to reach out to the hundreds of thousands of people who are infringing on that copyright mm-hmm. and tell them you need to pay up or face a lawsuit. Yeah. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. There was actually something that I think finally just got settled where somebody was basically trolling podcasts that they claimed that they went out and own the patent or copyright. I'm not sure which one right. it was on podcasts and they were approaching podcasters saying, you, Wanting can't, a fee. you can't do this unless you yeah. agree, pay me, pay me. Yeah, it happens all the time. And it's, listen, I yeah. can I could see somebody doing that where it's like, all right, I'm going to go register and copyright all those. Um, and maybe Apple's already doing it, but I'm going to copyright all those playlists, great playlists that Apple creates. Then I'm mm. going to go knock on the door of Tim Cook and say, 
I own the copyright to these. What do you want to do about this? Right. You may want to hit another company that doesn't have the legal firepower of Apple, but your point is well taken. But that's exactly how it works out. Yeah. They want to intimidate you into paying. Yeah. Um, This is going to be really interesting. All right. So that's it. Next week, we have another special guest. I don't want to spill the details, but it should be very interesting. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. And as always, we want your comments, your feedback. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, YouTube. Um, We are everywhere. So until next week, thanks, everyone.